It's your time to Ed Up with America's leading higher education podcast network, the Ed Up Experience, where we make education your business. This is Ed Up Legal with your host, Patty Roberts. She's Dean at St. Mary's School of Law, and she's going to be leading conversations about legal education in today's world. Now let's hear from your host, Patty Roberts. Welcome to Ed Up Legal. I'm Patty Roberts from St. Mary's University School of Law. And today I have with us three guests who will be discussing Penn State Dickinson's leadership in anti-racist legal education. Dr. Tawanda H. Stallworth is the program manager for the Anti-Racist Development Institute. Professor Dermot Groom is a professor at Penn State Dickinson Law. And then Anu Gupta is founder and CEO of Be More and also a systems designer for the Anti-Racist Development Institute. And just as a little bit of background for our listeners, the Anti-Racist Development Institute is something that came out of the Penn State Dickinson Law Faculty Resolution that adopted an anti-racist approach to legal education in June, 2020. There were several things that came out of this resolution, as well as leadership by the Dean of Dickinson Law, Danielle Conway, who started the Law Dean's Anti-Racist Clearinghouse Project in 2020, along with four Black women Law Dean colleagues. Dean Conway discussed that work and the Anti-Racist Development Institute in EDUP Legal's episode 57. So if you'd like to listen to that, I encourage you to do so. But this morning, we're going to start with the first uh, initiative that grew out of the resolution at Penn State Dickinson Law, and that is the creation of a race and the equal protection of the laws course um, at Penn State Dickinson Law. And Professor Groom, can you tell us a little bit about why the faculty decided to take that action initially and um, explain the development of it and the implementation? Uh, thank you, uh, Dean Roberts, for uh, having us and, and shedding some light on this important work that I think is happening at the, the law school. After George Floyd was murdered in May of uh, May 25, 2020, the law school responded uh, within the next month with two resolutions on June 3rd, one to commit ourselves to anti-racist principles. And then on the 18th, uh, we committed ourselves to recognizing and exploring and, and living up to all of the opportunities and responsibilities we had as legal educators. And in that resolution, we undertook to do a number of things. First, we had all been teaching and dealing with race in our individual doctrinal courses to some level, but we decided to do with greater intentionality. So to develop a plan every year that would be presented to the faculty, how are we doing it both in curricular courses and co-curricular activities? Uh, at the end of the year, present a report to the, where we would, to the faculty where we would have done a self-assessment about our efforts and then commit to every five years having outside uh, assessors come in and evaluate, are we doing this well or are we not doing it well? And in addition to that, we recognize that this is long-term work. So this procedure, this kind of holding ourselves to account will take place every year until the faculty by resolution unanimously decides that it's no longer necessary. So it's a long-term commitment by the school to do this. 
One of the things that we also decided that day was the race and the equal protection of the laws program. It's a required course for uh, first year students. There are eight sessions. And in each of those sessions, we, we examine one area of the law and explore uh, the relationship between race and that area of the law. It could be business law, it could be criminal law. Uh, we've invited some very prominent speakers to address the students. But the most important thing about that program is that every session we engage students in a difficult but necessary discussion about our opportunities and responsibilities as lawyers to make sure that our legal system is experienced by people of all race, all ethnicities, all genders, all sexualities as an equal, equally applied and fair legal system. That is really impressive. Um, not only the commitment of your faculty, but the long-term um, intentionality to uh, assessing yourselves and having others assess you, to making sure that you're doing the work and you're having the impact that you set out to have. The fact that the course is required for all 1Ls is very impressive. And I'm wondering for those eight sessions, do all 1Ls meet together or is this something that's done in a small group setting um, led by faculty members? They're, they're meet in small groups about, of about eight to 10 students each. And one thing that I think is very important and an unusual feature of the course is that it's been developed and uh, delivered cooperatively by all faculty members. Uh, those with expertise in a particular area have developed, have done some research, have written essays uh, for the handouts. Uh, so it's been a true collaborative effort on all members, by all members of the, the law school community. Really tremendous and uh, so wonderful to get all faculty members on board with this initiative. Um, a testament, I, I'm certain, of Daniel Conway's um, leadership, Dean Conway's leadership. But it's as a dean, it's hard to get faculty members to agree unanimously to anything. So I'm really uh, uh, quite impressed <laughs> at the scope of uh, of this commitment. So good for you all for for um, making sure that this is how Penn State Dickinson Law proceeds towards anti-racism. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention about the course? Has it been held before or is this the first year? Did it start in 2021? It started in 2020. Oh, so we, the course we, we actually. Thought, yes. Wow. We, we thought we needed to do this was an urgent situation. So we are now moving into the third iteration of the course. We've learned some lessons along the way. Yeah. Uh, and so it's our idea is to improve it every year. Um, Dean Con Conway and myself thought that other schools might be interested, and we had this idea for a book, but then that grew into, well, we, we need to reform our entire legal education, our pipeline programs, the way we do alumni, the way we do networking, and now we'll turn it over to, to Wanda. She's the expert in this new initiative of this very ambitious project uh, that she's director of and Dean Conway's leading for this multi-volume series. Well, thank you, Professor Groom. And my goodness, to have had the the tragedy that happened with George Floyd's murder in, in June of 2020 and to have a course ready to go that fall, that's just incredible. And um and I'm looking forward to to hearing how it was the the seed for this multi-volume set. So Tawanda, tell us about this ambitious project and uh, and where we are in that process. Sure. Uh, and thank you for having us here, Patty. This is 
certainly a, a great opportunity for us to talk about the work and be able to share what's going on with the project. Uh, so it is quite ambitious. And I will say that the uh, momentum and the intentionality um, of the faculty and Dean Conway's leadership um, really uh, positioned me to be able to approach this work with a, uh, we're doing this and we're doing it now and it's necessary and it's overdue and let's just, let's move forward. Uh, so we currently have nine uh, volumes in a book series. Um, the book series is Building an Anti-Racist Law School, Legal Academy and Legal Profession. Um, nine volumes in that series that include uh, a volume around community, uh, anti-racist leadership, uh, anti-racist gateways to the profession. So looking at the pipeline programs uh, and the ways in which students are uh, sort of funneled into the profession. Uh, there's a, a, a book on admissions and financial aid, curriculum development, uh, teaching and learning, uh, academic and student success, uh, the legal profession, uh, career services in the legal profession, and then alumni affairs and advancement. So really looking at all of the components of a law school and the ways in which we uh, can be intentional in our anti-racism um, in creating anti-racist lawyering um, as, the, as the ultimate goal. Uh, we, uh, I, I came on board here in March of 2022 and uh, within the first three months, we had a, um, a design thinking workshop to train our systems designers in design thinking, uh, the methodology that's used not only for the development of the book series, but also for the uh, project itself and for the ultimate uh, coursework that, that will be uh, a part of the, the Anti-Racist Development Institute. Um, and then also a uh, chapter contributors conference where we kicked off the, the book series and had two full days of, of workshopping and small grouping uh, and, and really uh, sharing ideas and commitments and uh, doing some logistical pieces around the, the project as well. Um, doing all of that and, and moving us forward to now having folks from all over the country. Um, I'll have to take a look uh, again, I don't wanna misspeak, but we have representation from nearly every state in the nation um, on this project. We have over 55 institutions. Um, many of them are law schools. We have a few uh, nonprofits um, and law adjacent organizations, a couple of law firms as well. Um, all participating on this project. And the, the intentionality and the, uh, the commitment, the passion, the drive of, of all of the contributors, of, you know, including my, my present company here, uh, right here with, with you all, uh, really keep, keep me motivated and are really the, the wind in the sails of the project. So it's moving, it's moving quickly and couldn't be more excited about it. Well, it really is impressive, the scope of this work. I mean, you know, nine volumes, 
to to have that uh, planning going on, and then to think of all the authors and all the editors as part of each of those volumes. I'm very um, humbled to be part of volume three and um, excited to be a co-editor of that volume. But um, just for that volume, I know what meetings we've had, how hard it is to, to get law professors and deans and other professionals together to discuss just that chapter and all the, the, uh, the steps we're going through in order to get to that chapter. And then to times it by nine and to also add course content. I mean, it's just um, really ambitious and I cannot imagine uh, how much of your job is herding cats, if you will, <laughs> like on an island of cats. <laughs> yeah, the, so th there is some of that, um, but really the, the, you know, the design thinking methodology, you know, keeping the user-centered or human-centered approach um, really makes things a lot easier, right? Because we're all focused on the same goal. We all want the same things for the least of these, right? We want to be able to um, provide voices where voices are needed and, and advocacy in a, in a way that uh, helps to change the structure and the framework um, that surrounds the most horrible institution in this country. And keeping that, I think, as the forefront and the focus of the project, it really falls into place in ways that uh, we, we can't even imagine. And uh, it's, it's coming along well. I'm excited about all of the volumes that, that folks are writing on. They are working on their outlines. They're writing abstracts. They are um, moving along. And it's, it's really um, remarkable to see really remarkable to see. And to see this collaboration, I think, you know, not only geographically looking at it on a map, but all of the law schools that are represented on this project. Um, it's just, you, you know, this level of collegiality um, among, you know, if we're honest, among competitors, right, that, that there's this way of um, being able to keep the main thing the main thing and let that focus drive our efforts. And that's been um, really uh, fantastic to see. Well, it, it truly is an incredible collaboration. And I'm not sure that there's um, that there has been one like it in legal education uh, prior to this. And certainly we we all want to get behind anti-racism. I'm going to talk a little bit about the systems design in a minute. I'm intrigued by that part of it. But before then, you've had support not only from law schools and nonprofits, but um, you've received financial support for this project as well. Can you tell me a little bit about the support outside of the academy? Sure, sure. Um, so outside of the, the academy, I think um, our, our most recent news um, was the uh, award uh, that we received from the MacArthur Foundation. And um, it was a, uh, I believe it was $500,000 that we received um, from, from the MacArthur Foundation. And, you know, what's notable about uh, that happening for us is there really wasn't, um, even acknowledged by the foundation, there really wasn't a niche as far as their 
the areas that they support and there really wasn't um, a place where this project kind of fit. Um, but because they were able to recognize the impact that a project like this would have and be able to recognize that um, legal education and lawyering and the practice of law um, scaffold, right? the uh, institutions and systems all over this country, right? So everything has is attached to law in some way, whether it's healthcare or whether it's education, uh, whether it's food and nutrition, everything has a legal component. And if we're able to, uh, if we're able to make the institution of law anti-racist, the impact that that can have um, on, on our society and on our country. Um, so certainly that was a celebratory moment for us to receive um, the, the, the gift from the MacArthur Foundation and um, being able to partner with them, I think not only legitimizes the work uh, in a way, but it also takes it up to a level of um, notoriety um, and being able to enter into some conversations with more folks and, and be able to uh, engage in deeper relationships where we may not have had exposure before. Outstanding. Well, congratulations on that. And it shows how groundbreaking the work really is if they were going outside of their lanes, if you were, as a, as a foundation. And what a great partner to have. So Anu, uh, we've heard mention of systems design uh, several times so far throughout the, the podcast. And um, for those of us who are less familiar with systems design, it'd be great if you could explain to us um, what that work is and how it is going to benefit the project. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me here, Patty. Um, so this is what makes this project really exciting. You know, you've heard all of the support, financial, material, purpose and passion driven across the country, but the way we're approaching this problem of anti-racism is, is by thinking about this as a systems problem. And the systems are so large because it's the entire legal academy, it's the entire legal profession. So what systems design is really a kind of a way of thinking, a way of approaching problems to offer solutions. So what we've done is, you know, what ADI has done as a whole is really think about, you know, as you know, Tawanda mentioned, there's nine volumes. What are the different segments of law school education, the legal profession? you know, academic success to bar examination, other things that lawyers and lawyers to be, you know, the systems they move through. And then who are the specific users in each one of those systems? Law deans, law faculty, administrators, students, you know, clinical professors, you name it across the board. And then what are their pain points? What are the challenges they confront in actually, you know, providing an anti-racist education? And instead of talking about the problems, the beautiful thing about this initiative is then, well, here are some solutions. So every volume has 10 to 15 authors, right? So just multiply that nine times 15, you know, 15. So that's a lot of different solutions being offered. And that's what's really unique about this particular initiative for me is because it is focused on solutions. You know, how do we create an anti-racist legal academy you know, legal profession as a whole. Um, well, we need solutions for that. There is no silver bullet because had there been a silver bullet, we would have had it by now, right? Um, and one thing I want to mention here that's really important because oftentimes, 
you know, I get a lot of pushback because I work in this field. So I was a budding academic myself, a legal academic, but I left the legal profession to start a company on anti-racism because I realized that we can change all the policies and practices on the outside, which required to be changed, but we also have to change the people within the systems, particularly targeting implicit bias. And the challenge I often confront is, well, you know, I don't want to be against anything. I don't want to be anti-anything, you know, anti-racists or against racism. I want to be pro-peace, pro-dignity. And that's what this initiative is. If you notice the word anti-racist is a single word. You know, there's no dash in it. So it's not against anything, but rather it's really moving all of us, particularly in the legal profession, towards a paradigm that's pro-equality, pro-justice, pro-dignity, you know, pro-humanity, you know, beyond this paradigm of race and ethnicity altogether. So we can move beyond these human hierarchies of not just race and ethnicity, but gender, sexuality, disability, and anti-racism is comprehensively inclusive of all of that. Because we're imagining a place where you can be, like human beings can just be who they are without needing to experience oppression, marginalization, exclusion. Um, and that's where, you know, Danielle's vision for this, and not just Danielle, but all of the people that are part of this initiative, that's the drive that really brings us together. You'll see that the chapter authors are incredibly diverse. You know, yeah, I'm, for example, Asian American, right? One of the systems designers, there's other Asian Americans, there's indigenous people, there are African Americans, there are Latinx people, there are white Americans of all backgrounds, Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, Hungarian, you name it, right? And that's what being an anti-racist is. It's all of us coming together. And the systems design approach really helps us hone into the specific problems that we face beyond these lofty visions, right? <laughs> so this work will identify um, solutions as well as identifying the problems. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard this summer, uh, someone refer to the optimism of activism. And um, you're describing this work made me think of that, that we can be optimistic in the fact that we're doing something to move the academy forward and the profession forward um, and doing it alongside each other so that it's not just happening at this school with a pipeline program or this school with, you know, a, a really strong race and the equal protection of the laws course. So thank you for that explanation. Yeah. In addition to the, the nine volumes, I know that part of the work is to be developing course content. And has that started alongside the volumes or will the volumes precede the course content? Uh, thank you for asking because that question actually keeps me, I, I won't say up at night, but it certainly stays as a permanent um, to-do item on my, on my daily checklist. Uh, so the coursework is being developed. I, I would say that we are in the infancy stages of the coursework. We have some pieces of it, but ultimately the coursework will come from, at, at the close of each chapter, there will be um, some exercises or activities or points to consider. And, and those, uh, those pieces or those activities help to, uh, will, will help to form and shape that course content, right? So full disclosure, I'm not an academician. Um, I, nor am I an attorney, right? And how did I end up here? Except that I, I, I believe, you know, to have an understanding of the impact and being able to look at the end uh, from the beginning uh, will help us to be able to build some really uh, 
uh, strong coursework and be able to, you know, be able to offer this to organizations outside of the legal community because it's everywhere, right? And be able to offer this outside of the academy, outside of the profession, um, so that other organizations and other um, places, communities, local government can also become anti-racist in their work. Uh, so it's it's being developed. It's it's. I wish you could see my whiteboard. <laughs> this other card over here, where 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 notes for that are being kept, but it, it is it is coming along. Are there lots of colors on the whiteboard? Do you use different colors when you're marking it? Normally, I normally I do, but because my not every marker does everything the way that I need it to. So there's mm -hmm. you know different thicknesses and different emphases. In addition to course content, so the volume that I'm working on, what the, the, the contributors want to do is, is to recognize that, that many law school professors want to do this, but just don't know how to do it. So their focus is not so much on specific content or course content, but on how do you assess your course? Um, how do you get objective you know, assessments of what you're doing? How do you get caught up to speed with the, the material? You know, my expertise is in international criminal law. How do I learn? what I need to learn before so I can incorporate this in, in my classes. And then how do we work together as an academy to really improve the quality of legal education that's fit for the needs of our country at this moment in time? Yeah, and I feel like there's lots and lots of ideas, right? And that's the beauty of this particular project is that it's not fully planned out, but we're actually coming together as hundreds of people who have the passion and purpose and the expertise to then imagine what's possible. You know, some things that will happen with the ADI is retreats that will be offered to attorneys, you know, likely at Dickinson, but other places as well as more people come on board um, for, you know, law professors, for law deans, and targeted to different professions in particular, or different aspects of the profession in particular. So as, you know, Dermot said, they really troubleshoot the specific challenges where, you know, racism or racial bias really come into play. And I think I really want to hone in on this because, you know, if you think about our history, particularly in the U.S., 200 years ago, there was a similar movement. It was called the abolition movement, right? At that, when they started that, when that movement was going against slavery, against enslavement of African people, um, they didn't know what the, what, how the end goal was going to be achieved, but they knew the end goal. Similarly, 100 years ago, that really became um, the movement against Jim Crow, against racial segregation. So there were lawyers, legal professionals, you know, educators within law schools across the country who were part of that movement. So we knew what our end goal was, which was get rid of Jim Crow, but we were still figuring that out. And that's what's the beauty of this project is we know what our end goal is, anti-racism, a world where all of us are equal and we can belong with dignity and humanity. And we have a playground now to work with each other outside of our silos. If I could just piggyback onto what Anu has just shared, uh, you know, Dean Conway has encouraged us to be comfortable with not having the answers. And uh, that, that sounds, you know, relatively simple, but for um, folks who, you know, are, you know, re relatively smart, right? We, we, we like to think that we, we have more answers than we don't have answers, right? Um, when we're putting forth material or when we are participating in something, we, we want to show up, you know, the best way that we can and show up in a way that, um, quite frankly, uh, white supremacy has trained us 
to show up, having everything together. And this process is not that, right? So there's undoing of, of these structures and of these hierarchies, even in the midst of, of creating something so fantastic. And so I think that's, you know, as, as we develop the coursework, right? And as we are, you know, walking through this collaborative effort all together, um, not having the answers, but helping people to think about um, the answers, helping um, ushering folks into a place of, um, as Anu says, ushering our friends and our, our colleagues into this playground of, uh, of problem solving um, from a user-centered approach. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think, and as one of you said earlier, I mean, we don't have the answers. If we had the answers, we'd be doing it. I don't think any of us set out to be racist in our systems, but um, it, you have to be comfortable with that uh, lack of uh, conclusion or lack of problem solutions um, at this point, because we don't know what they are yet. Um, I love the the description of this being a playground, and so I appreciate that. So if somebody listening wants to get involved, uh, Tawanda, how can they get involved? So I'm so glad you asked. Um, we are, you know, folks are joining the project every single day. Um, folks who are want to contribute a chapter, or maybe they just want to read something, um, could, could maybe serve as a reviewer for us in any way. Um, certainly uh, take a look at our website at dickinsonlaw.psu.edu. Um, and then if you uh, can scroll on the side, there is a link for the Anti-Racist Development Institute. So we do have a web presence uh, and I can give that, that website again, it's dickinsonlaw.psu.edu forward slash anti-racist with no dash, uh, dash development dash institute. So we would certainly love um, for folks to link up with us and join the project. Uh, the more the merrier to increase this collaborative effort. Um, yeah, let me let me follow up on that with just one question. Um, do you have students involved? I would say not formally and Dermot, maybe I, I might be speaking out of out of turn um, because I'm not a member of the faculty. Um, the race and equal protection of the law is a really um, just key component to the anti-racism here at Dickinson Law. Um, I I could anticipate there being some um, intentional or natural crossover between um, what happens in the ADI and the race and equal protection of the laws course, but I would defer to my colleague on that for more specifics. So for the, the race and equal protection of the law program, students are very much involved. They've given presentations and for every group, there's both a faculty moderator and a student moderator. And then uh, upper class students form support for anyone. I mean, these are difficult conversations that we're asking students to have. So typically after every session, there are uh, upper level students that are waiting to help students process some of the difficult ideas and discussions that were had. That's great. I guess I'm, I'm thinking from a systems design. Um, Anu, do you see in the future, maybe there's a role for students, our, our future lawyers and legal professions to take part in ADI? Absolutely. And I think part of it is that even as we speak now, we have educators, you know, individuals who aren't attorneys themselves, like one of the systems designers is a dentist. That this is so dear to his heart. He's worked with so many attorneys. So a lot of these folks, you know, they're outside of our profession, but the law impacts them directly. 
I think for us, you know, as we develop this, we want to get all people involved, including law students, because, you know, a lot of the challenges we confront today, particularly around anti-racism, they are going to inherit. So we're going to need new types of solutions there too. But as, you know, Tawanda said, and as, you know, Dean, uh, Dean Conway has offered us, we don't have all of it yet, but, you know, as, and I would encourage law students to actually reach out to us if you're listening um, and share with us how you can get involved with us. So we have, because we don't have all the answers, but we do want you involved. We want your input and we want you to be a part of this movement. This is really a movement for the century for all of us. Great. Well, so if there are any law students listening, I hope you will also reach out. Uh, before I conclude, and this has been a fantastic discussion, I hope that we will have other opportunities to feature the work of the Anti-Racist Development Institute as it continues to develop in this playground I uh, on the podcast, so I hope we'll schedule some additional sessions. But I conclude all of my episodes with the following question for our guests, and that is, what is your prediction for the evolution of legal education in the coming decade? And um, I will start with you, Professor. Uh, thank you, Betty. Uh, so most of our laws are race neutral, but the, the, our legal system is not experienced as equal. And I think what we as an academy perhaps haven't done as well as we might have, and hopefully we will do a better job in the future, is teaching our students how to recognize where in our legal system racism creeps in and where it is unequal. To teach them to recognize that and to educate them about their opportunities and responsibilities as lawyers to make our legal system work so it is truly equal for all Americans. Thank you. Tawanda, do you have any thoughts? I had a feeling I was gonna have to follow that and that is almost impossible. You know, I think 10 years from now, um, uh, so 10 years from now, we won't be in a situation where uh, we won't have the first Black woman to join the Supreme Court, right? We won't have that again. Um, but in 10 years from now, um, because of the work of the ADI, because of the work of this book series, I anticipate um, that we can stop, um, that, that more folks would learn the, um, the problem associated with questioning the merits of Black women. Um, and that we're able to see um, the benefits of the original intention of the U.S. Constitution and be able to right the ship as far as um, the laws that support and defend the Constitution and how we can make it do what it was intended to do in the spirit of that document in which it was written. Excellent. See, you did a fabulous job. And <laughs> Anu, uh, you want to take us home with what your predictions are for the coming decade in legal education? Well, I'm not sure if it's a prediction, but my hope is really that legal education and our profession as a whole will bridge the empathy gap that really exists within our nation. Um, one of the challenges that I confronted as a law student now over a decade ago was just how issues of anti-racism and equality and justice were siloed within the public interest courses. So my, my, I anticipate that anti-racism will not just be discussed in race and equal protection of the law, but in corporations, in torts, in contracts, because race is 
such a central component of all of those doctrinal courses and international law itself. So it becomes this all-inclusive process um, that pervades the law so we can truly be anti-racist, you know, all humans everywhere you know, belong. Well, that's a terrific response, and I hope that your hope comes true. It's certainly the work of the ADI uh, is going to make a huge difference in what happens in legal education in the coming decade and in the profession. And I, I want to applaud all of you for your leadership. Of course, um, Dean Conway uh, has been incredible in, in, um, in identifying ways that Penn State Dickinson and all law schools and members of the academy and the profession can be involved in moving these problems forward towards solutions. Uh, but I also just want to give a, a shout out to the Penn State Dickinson Law faculty in particular, uh, because they responded so quickly um, with unanimous resolutions to not only um, combat racism, but to do something about it so tangible with the course that they had, uh, you know, in just months that they put into effect for their students, all students in their first year. So I'm very impressed at the actions that you all are taking. And I thank Penn State Dickinson Law and their faculty for, um, for inspiring the rest of us. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for thank having you us. It was fun. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This has been another episode of EdUp Legal with your host, Patty Roberts. EdUp Legal is part of the EdUp Experience podcast network, bringing you the brightest and most influential minds across higher education and beyond. Here at EdUp, we make education your business.